lights go down and you found yourself surrounded Astounded by the veteran crew that you discounted But we're back for our piece of this game And we remain on a mission to increase the recognition of the name That you saw on the marquee when you walked in the building to the show Thought you bought your potholes, but we feel them It's just one of our tricks, we're in the mix like trail The mic in my hand becomes a Molotov cocktail Igniting your vicinity from now till infinity Burning it down, we build it back from the ground up J Vigilantes are back on a round up We're trying to reach the folks in the back So come and sign up Hi, welcome to Magic in the Middle of Nowhere. Uh, you have now listened to 100% of our podcasts. Congratulations. Uh, so uh, thanks to MG, MTG Cast for hosting us. And uh, get a disclaimer out of the way right away right now to uh, let you know there could be some salty language in this podcast. So uh, don't be offended, or if you are going to get offended, uh, get the fuck out of here. Uh, okay, uh, I, with me today, I got my, oh, my name is, uh, Travis, by the way, uh, other people can, uh, call me Travis D. Jones, what I go by on, uh, Twitter, as, uh, amongst other things. Got a couple other folks with me today, um, first of which being Chris, say hi, Chris. Hello. Alright, cool, and Robert, what's up, Robert? Hey, what's happening? All right. Um, well, first, uh, we'll just get our intros out of the way, let you guys know a little bit about us, uh, what we're into. Um, I myself have been playing Magic now for about uh, 13 years since I started with Portal. Uh, how awesome is that? Portal and uh, Tempest back in 5th edition, all around that same time. Um, my favorite colors, I'd say, uh, back in the day I played blue a lot. I liked control, but uh, lately blue's been getting pretty expensive to play. And, uh, you know, the wife won't let me spend a ton of money on Magic anymore, so I go ahead and, uh, I went ahead and adopted Red as it's, uh, aggressive and cheap, uh, mana-wise and dollar-wise. And, uh, so that's allowed me to play Magic competitively and, uh, you know, do, do pretty well recently, I think. Um, and favorite decks, uh, like I said, right now I'm playing in, in Type 2, uh, Red Deck Wins, uh, for the most part. Uh, anything that features Red. But uh, all-time favorite decks. I used to be big into combo. Uh, I still got this kick-ass Enchantress deck in Legacy and a uh, Scepter Chant deck that I, I do love a lot. Um, that's where all my money is right now in my Legacy decks. Um, Chris, uh, maybe you should tell yourself, uh, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself um, and favorite colors, favorite decks, that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, I've been playing about as long as Travis has since Tempest in 5th edition. I prefer black and blue i love control sometimes i like a little bit of green really like combos i have, used to have a pretty awesome a lauren based deck lost that though but that's another story yeah good one it is uh yes. but yeah i'm sure we'll be able to get into that at a later date yeah uh, <laughs> uh robert how about yourself i've been playing magical and all for uh, quite a while I'm actually a token judge, good old rules advisor, and uh, probably my favorite color is green. I like playing anything that's uh, consistent and fast, uh, lots of elves. Uh, I do have Legacy Elf deck, and I'm currently working on a nice stasis brew. It's going to be pretty fun. Um, that's pretty much it about me. All right, cool. Well, um, yeah, I know uh, all three of us pretty much are uh, rogue deck builders, so... If you listen to this show, Magic in the Middle of Nowhere, you're going to hear a lot about rogue decks. Um, 
you're not going to hear in Type 2 a lot about Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, I don't have any Jace the Mind Sculptors, nor am I going to be getting any Jace the Mind Sculptors. Um, if you, every deck that you make starts with four Jace the Mind Sculptors, you probably should raise up out because you're not going to get it on this show. Uh, and I don't, I don't think you're going to get that out of these other guys either. Um, but you probably will get to hear about some, you know, funky new decks, um, maybe some ones you haven't seen a lot of other shows and, and people focus on a lot before. So, you know, that's, I think, what we're into. And, uh, you know, this is just a show about uh, playing magic in areas that may not have the best community, uh, really small stores, um, you know, for people who are building on a budget, can't necessarily dedicate their whole lives. I, mean, you know, I don't think we, you know, have ambitions to become pro magic players, but uh, definitely enjoy the game a lot and uh, want to see it do well and want to try to do the best we can in any tournament we go to and have a lot of fun as well. I think uh, maybe we'll get into a little news right now. Uh, Everyone has been talking lately about the Saito banning, where uh, Toma, Tomaharu Saito, Saito, I believe his name is, uh, just been banned, or, well, suspended for 18 months from professional magic. Obviously, he was uh, voted into the Hall of Fame this year, but he's been uh, suspended for 18 months due to slow play, or he was caught cheating, basically, uh, drawing games out. Um, Rob, I know you're a rules advisor. Um, you're, you're kind of a, the, the local judge for us. I always go to Rob whenever I need a ruling at our Friday Night Magics. So, uh, I mean, how, how would you go about looking for slow play? Uh, I mean, is that something that's really easy to see, or how, how does that work? Well, uh, basically from the stories I've heard about, uh, the reason behind his slow play call, uh, he was kept looking at the clock and seeing the time and then reading cards over and over, um, soaking up time in the round to uh, force the draw in the last game. Um, if I'm looking over a game and I see someone constantly m- making decisions slowly, then I'm going to give them a warning for it. Um, and if they continue to do so, then we'll go from there. We just have to watch people uh, stalling out the games uh, because, you know, we're here to play. Yeah, I just think the whole thing is uh, pretty messed up. You know, it, whenever you're playing in a smaller store, people don't generally have to worry about time limits and stuff. Well, we're not that competitive with it, but uh, I don't know. That that definitely is cheating. Uh, Chris, uh, any thoughts on this? Playing slow? I don't know. Man. Yeah, basically intentionally getting to a draw just to, you know, so you don't lose or you, you get a draw, you can move on to the next round and at least get some points out of it. That's pretty lame, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, good analysis, good yeah. analysis. <laughs> yeah, basically, if if you're one up on the game and you're you're in a bad board position, you know you're going to lose this game and you have maybe 15 minutes left on the round and you try to just draw it out, I mean, that's not that's not sportsmanlike at all. I mean, you you really can't do that. Yeah, big topic this past, uh, I don't know, it's been probably going on a couple weeks now, so uh, just wanted to weigh in on that. Wanted to get to a point uh, here where we're talking about uh, some of our favorite old decks. I wanted to highlight um, a deck this week, or I guess a card, uh, more like it, a Lauren. Uh, Chris mentioned it before. He, Like he said, he had an Aloran deck. His focus more on building a combo of Aloran, which uh, for those of you that don't know, is an enchantment that costs two green and two mana. Total casting cost of four. 
with an enchantment that says you may play, or any player may play a creature spell that costs three or less for free without paying, uh, at instant speed. That's not the exact wording, but that's what it does. Any, any player can lay down a creature in their hand at, as an instant without paying its mana cost. So it's a pretty, you know, powerful card. You can see what kind of combos could raise up from that. Um, Chris's deck, I know, uh, well maybe explain how, how, what your kill was, Chris, and, uh, uh, you know, how you got to that kill. Well, I would start out, it was red, green, and splash of white. Had a bunch of birds in there, of course, birds of paradise. The way I killed was I'd play a furious assault, which is two and one red. And whenever you play a creature, whenever a creature comes into play and you're under your control, deals one damage to target player. And I'm playing a Lauren. And, um, then I play a horn Kavu, which is, I believe, one red and one green, three, four. And, when it comes into play, you have to return a red or green creature to your hand. I'd bounce that back to my own hand and just continue doing that for free, thus creating infinite damage, which is pretty fun, especially multiplayer. Yeah, and I think uh, we had figured out at the time, too, that you could basically also throw in uh, Soul Warden oh, yeah. into the combo, and that would be an infinite life game for you. Yeah, I had her in there as well to... As a backup plan. Now, some of the builds that I've seen recently of Aloran, and I hear that I've heard whispers of it kind of making a rise back up in Legacy if uh, Survival of the Finest uh, does indeed get banned. What you'll see now are green for Aloran, and then mostly blue and some black. Um, they take a like a control combo hybrid, and then mostly work for the. Uh, life gain lock off of a uh, spike feeder, anything like that. Um, so the, I don't know. That's that's the new way uh, that they work. Uh, Rob, have you uh, do you have any familiar familiarity with Aloran? Uh, quite recently, I've seen some decks uh, going with uh, Imperial Recruiter and uh, Dreamstalker, running off combos like that. Uh, I haven't played the deck yet, so I'm not really sure exactly how well it runs, but. Uh, I've seen some people looking at it and testing it, and they say it's pretty good. And I know Oloran can do some degenerate things that can cause havoc for your opponent and set up a pretty good board position for yourself. True. Um, and if you look at the actual cost of the cards in the deck, um, if you were trying to build the red-green-white version that Chris was talking about earlier, it's really not that expensive of a deck. There's no huge you know, card values in there. I know if you were going to try the the ones I've seen more recently, though, Imperial Recruiter, I think, think does cost a good deal. Am I wrong in thinking that that is, like, nearly a $100 card? Because it's, oh, Portal, it's Portal Three Kingdoms, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's an expensive card. Uh, yeah, so that, you know, running four of those could be a little tough. That's why I think uh, Chris's build could be, you know, advantageous to the player out there who's looking to try to build an Aloran deck on a budget. You probably, if you don't already have the intuitions as your search and force of wills, I mean, $50 per force of will, you could always just go for enlightened tutors. Um, I think range anywhere between 5 and $8 right now. Uh, Gamble, I think it's also about $8 tutor, and that's in red. Um, go with Living Wish to search your, you know, whatever creature you need out of the sideboard. And like his kill was Furious, and that's a common out of the Mercadian Mass, so. That's not going to 
cost yeah. anything at all because <laughs> that card was a joke at, even at the time, and nobody's even he- heard of it anymore. So, um, you know, something to think about if you're looking to uh, build a Aluren deck. Um, I know we had a lot of fun with that, uh, you know, just because combos are great. You just bust them out of nowhere, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, Chris, I remember at Origins took down a whole, you know, group of randoms. We got into a game, and, uh, well, Chris, maybe you should tell that story. <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, we're sitting there playing just a big multiplayer game, and I'm laying out my cards, have my Birds of Paradise out, play Furious Assault, which everyone sort of laughed at because like Travis said it's sort of a joke play a Lauren of course everyone starts dumping all the creatures out for free thinking you know basically this guy's an idiot he doesn't know what he's doing and then I lay down Horn Kavu and went, you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead and it was fun the first game of course I won they all died of course the second game they knew what was up so I got to go pretty quick. Yeah, in multiplayer, whenever everyone's ganging up against you, it's not usually a, a good thing. Yeah, but it's fun. It had a consistent third-turn kill. Yeah, if you got the the right uh, first-turn search or you got the mana acceleration, you can definitely get a third-turn kill going there. Uh, Rob, have you uh, played much in the way of combo deck? Oh, I love me some combo decks. Uh, pretty much played everything. You know, Pyromancer's Ascension, of course, is one of my pad decks lately for a uh, combo-ish type of things. Um, a while back, I built one that uh, had two different kill conditions. You know, basically the burn of normal Pyromancer Ascension, and then there was the uh, mill package as well. And that seemed to work out pretty well. Yeah, actually, um, well, we can get into that a little bit. Uh, that was going to be my uh, standard deck of the week, basically, is uh, Pyromancer's Ascension, because I knew you played it. Um, I know in the Pre, uh, pre-rotation, whenever, uh, Shards was in, uh, most people used, uh, Time Warp, was that what it was? Time Warp and, uh, you know, Burn Spells, but now, um, I believe some of the new builds have Archive Trap, trying to take advantage of that. Is, you know, that's, that's the build you're trying to play right now, or what are you using? That was basically the original build I tried. Uh, I was using the Call of Minds and Time Warps to take infinite turns and set up, you know, whatever I wanted to do, take control of the game. Uh, but I also had Archive Traps in there, and those cards, um, you know, I think they're a little underrated. They're, they're pretty much golden in any competitive format where people are playing, you know, multiple lands a turn, um, any type of sack land or fetch land, um, you know, sort of tutoring up a lot of their lands. Um, like, that card can just get people. And uh, the build I was playing with was running uh, Twin Cast uh, for a little bit of extra, you know, craziness. And uh, there was plenty of times where I was just milling people out. Uh, once they cracked a fetch, I'd have a Pyromancer Ascension online, throw Archive Trap down, so get a copy of that, and then Twin Cast get a copy of that, and their deck's just gone. And there's nothing I can do. So yeah, it's, you uh, say, it's pretty you fun. Know, you, your turn, and they're dead. So yep. <laughs> That's always a good time. Uh, you know, milling pe- people is hard, but uh, you, know, you get those combo mill strategies going, that's really... The best way to do it, a dedicated mill deck, is a very tough thing to pull off. Definitely, definitely. Um, most people thought it was funny when I played Archive Trap, but when you know when I started casting multiples, you know, four and five at a time, then then it wasn't so funny anymore for them. <laughs> 
Yes, definitely. And, uh, well, um, you know, we just wanted to highlight a couple decks. I think we want to, you know, uh, every time we come out here in podcasts, want to talk about, you know, an older deck or a newer standard deck. So if any of you guys out there want to, uh, you know, uh, we'll give a, give our contacts out at the end of the show. If you want to email us a deck that you'd like us to highlight, you want to send us a deck list that we can kind of delve into a little bit and, uh, you know, share share some of your work, see if you want to proliferate that. Uh, maybe get some other people to catch on to your ideas, you know, some new deck. Um, we're just all about, you know, rogue decks, so show us what you got. Um, speaking of proliferating uh, rogue decks, there's something that you should think about. <laughs> that's, that's right. I've seen some pretty interesting uh, proliferate decks. Um, I know, Chris, you, you've, uh, you know, because he... Your work habits lately, uh, he's got a union job, so he, uh, is not very flexible on his hours, so, uh, hasn't been able to come to the Friday Night Magics and such. He's gotta work every Friday night. Um, you haven't seen much scars, have you, Chris? No, not anything. I'm so out of the loop when it comes to standard and such, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, proliferate is a pretty fun, um, there's a lot of counters in this set, and every time you, there's a mechanic called proliferate, so every time you, you do that, you get to add one counter to anything you want, including players. Um, it gets pretty it gets pretty crazy with uh, the number of counters you can put on stuff, but I don't know, I'll have to show you, uh, show you some decks or something to get you caught up on, on the standard environment here for the show. Yeah, I'm trying to research stuff as you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck doing that on the fly, but uh, the Internet is a great tool, of course. The other part of the show here is basically playing magic in a small town. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out there are like us. You don't live in a big urban area. You got, uh, you know, your local Friday Night Magic. I, I know I, I hear people on these podcasts are like, oh, yeah, we had kind of low turnout. Only like you know, 22 people came to our Friday Night Magic this week, and it's like, well, that's that's great. I, I'd love to have 22 people. Um, we only really get that in our store on like new releases. Um, we, you know, sometimes we're lucky to even get eight people to get it sanctioned, and you know that's just the reality of of what we deal with in, in our store, um, which is uh, the store of the week, Arkham Games, in Lavelle, Maryland. Um, don't really look them up online if you're looking to buy cards or anything, because they they're really not that big of a store. I know they're. Um, uh, really, uh, a Mech Warrior store is that, or no, not Mech Warrior. What am I thinking? Warhammer. That's right, right, Rob. Definitely, there's a lot of Warhammer players there as well. Yeah, and the uh, the store owner John, he is, uh, you know, he's a Warhammer guy himself. He, but I guess you know, people in the area found out that he, you know, had a store that had a gaming area, and they kind of flocked to it on on Fridays, just expecting there to be magic, and now. Every Friday is Magic Day, of course. He he was able, you know, he wasn't even, probably wasn't even planning on getting too into it. He just wanted to play his Warhammer, but the, the Magic players invaded. And uh, he was able to sign up enough people for the DCI that he now is, you know, a DCI-sanctioned store. He can get uh, all the promos and everything that everyone likes. So, I, I don't know, do you know as far as uh, how he went about opening up the store, uh, Rob? As far as I know, he's he's been around town for a while, and he's, I guess he decided that that's what he wanted to do. As far as magic goes in the store, I think it started small, and people just started uh, going in there and saying, you know, hey, there's a place to play, there's tables, you know, it's not a library. 
and this is kind of fun. And, uh, you know, I was talking to him, and he seemed kind of interested. He's he's played Magic before. He, he's played back in the day, and he still has all his old cards and stuff. So he does dabble a little bit in Magic, and kind of sparked his interest, and he started signing people up, and you know, more people started arriving. And pretty soon we had ourselves some Friday Night Magic, which was good, you know, for a small area. Usually don't get anything like this, so it's a it's a blessing. Yeah, um, it seems to me that he actually has like a, a full time job Monday through Friday, right? Because he we he only opens the store like Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Yeah, it, I mean it's great that he supports the community because it's not something that he's definitely he's definitely not making a lot of money on it. He's just trying to, you know, give people a place to go play, and that's great. That's what you know small communities need. Um, I mean before he opened up his store here. There was literally nothing for years. I remember when I lived here before, uh, and Chris probably went with me a couple times. We'd have to go, we'd have to drive, you know, an hour away, hour, hour and a half away just to go play some magic, uh, competitively or, you know, in a tournament. Otherwise, it was just kitchen table, you know, you get, you get your friends to come over, but, uh, you know, it's great to have these small stores support an area and, uh, you know, if you, any of you guys out there um, have a store that you would like us to highlight, um, let them know your con- their contributions to your your area. Just let us know, because we would we would love to give them some props for keeping magic going in in a small community and you know uh, helping the game stay strong. Because um, really, if you, if you if you like the game of magic a lot, you, just playing you know. Playing by yourself, uh, playing on your computer, doing Magic the Gathering online, it's not always going to cut it, you know. Yeah, I think everyone who plays Magic really loves the the aspect where you go into a store, you play, you know, some uh, people with physical cards, um, and you get to you get to play people face to face. It's kind of like poker, you know. It's completely different online than it is than it is in person. Yeah, you totally get to see the tears of that little kid that you just crushed. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I like to see. Little kids crying. <laughs> that's what keeps me going. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Uh, definitely the children. Yeah. You, I know you guys guzzle them by the gallon. Of course. <laughs> but well, delicious. Get out there and uh, support your local game store. You know. Go out there, and even if they don't have you know Friday Night Magic, you know, just try to talk to the store owner and see if they're interested in doing something like uh, start sending you know people you know for DCI cards and such, and, and try to be more involved in your community. That helps develop a, a nice strong Magic uh, environment. That's true. Um, I know there's some there are a lot of stores out there that are just like comic book stores. They don't do the gaming so much. Like they might sell a few of the games. You might be able to buy, go buy booster packs there. But they might not have the space or whatever. But um, you know, try to talk to them a little bit. See if maybe you can uh, coax them into you know just letting people come. And if they can set up a table somewhere, just get a small group going. And then maybe you can, you know a word will spread. And you'll get a, you know, a a play group going on in an area that you thought you never would see a, a DCI sanctioned Friday Night Magic. And there's one. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention here, um, I don't know, do you, do you guys really listen to Ma- uh, Magic the Gathering podcasts at all? No. <laughs> Just a straight up no. Okay. Nope. Honesty. I get all my information straight from articles and such. I, I tend to read more than listen. Uh, big reader, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've been listening to MTG Cast for a while now. I listen to a lot of the shows on there. Of course, Monday Night Magic uh, is the, like their flagship show. You guys should probably check that out. They do a great job. There's just a whole lot of great shows on there. But the the host of that show, Tom, 
keeps getting emails about uh, cards that are, are pretty. Uh, I guess there's there's a lot of sex in the cards, basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. I just I think there's one that just jumps out at me in my mind that is always the number one uh you know uh sexual reference card that I don't think he's mentioned yet, and I think it's just a really unknown card, so people haven't mentioned it. But uh, uh, have you guys ever heard of Ikundu Cyclops? No. No? I just thought that. It's E-K-U-N-D-U Cyclops. Um, if, you, and if you're online right now, see if you can uh, look up the art for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. The valley got kicked. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, it's pretty gross. <laughs> this uh, disgusting green Cyclops is kind of swinging down. Um, he's completely naked, but he is lacking a certain uh, member of his anatomy between between the legs there. Um, but that's you know not a big deal because the picture is just full of dicks. Basically, there's <laughs> he's uh, swinging over a lady who's basically riding a giant dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. It's and then, magnificent. But, yeah, it's definitely a big, veiny, triumphant bastard. There's a bunch of little, uh, little mushroom dicks kind of growing off of the the one giant dick that she's, uh, you know, she. <laughs> I'd say she's riding on it. I don't think it's actually part of her. I'm just making that assumption. But uh, yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> ridiculous card. Yeah, it's pretty sexy. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the the other one that I would uh, mention, I guess my runner up when I think of a uh, kind of ridiculous cards, there's a I think it's called Stormbind. It's a one red instance and basically is like uh Bondage Fairies before Bondage Fairies was around. Oh no, that's not the name of it. I know oh, what you're talking the, about. Yeah, see if you can can you remember what that is? Oh man, if somebody if some if anyone knows this card, you should let you should let us know for sure. Yeah, that one's pretty nasty. You're gonna have to give a, uh, a small uh, recognition to Lost Soul. Lost Soul, like the the lady in the white uh, lace or whatever. Of course. <laughs> well, you, is she is she pretty sexy? I haven't looked at that card in a long time. Uh, I don't I don't know if she's wearing anything under that. Oh, I, yeah. I have a a few copies of that card. Keep them keep them close. Are all they right. all stuck together? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, all you degenerate pervs out there, you know you got a few cards to look at now to you know, get you off till uh, next week. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, great. Um, I just wanted to, oh yeah, let everyone know where you can reach us at. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Hit me up there. Like I said, it's Travis D Jones. Um, T R A V E S T Y Jones. It's not too hard. And uh, just, you know, hit me up on there. It's all one word. Um, you can hit me up on Hotmail. It's, um, well, I'll just spell it out. It's a pretty tough one. Uh, M-A-N-E-K-I-T-O-R-A at Hotmail.com. That's Manekitora, which is Japanese for inviting tiger. There you go. A little Japanese lesson for you today. Wow. Yeah. Um, how can we reach you guys? Uh, Chris? Uh, you can reach me at... Um Bunsenator at gmail dot com. That'd be B U N S O N A T O R at gmail dot com. And by the way, I found that uh, bondage card. It's called Earthbind. Oh, Earthbind, not Stormbind, but Earthbind. Okay, check that out. You'll see a a uh, 
kind of a bent over fairy in bondage. It's uh, pretty ridiculous yeah. that that card made it through to get, to get on a magic card. It's a lot sexier than nasty Cyclops balls. It's pretty uh, true. Uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's all in the eye of the beholder there. Exactly, exactly. The one eye. Yeah, so check those out. Um, Rob, where can we reach you at? You can reach me at zephys at gmail.com. That's Z-E-P-H-Y-S at gmail. Uh, send me whatever you want. Just uh, no pictures, please. <laughs> I want pictures. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, we'll, we'll spell the, these emails and stuff out for you guys now. Um, we won't bother with that later on. You can only just come back to the first episode. How about that? Seems like so, <laughs> all right. I mean, that was uh, pretty much everything that I had for the week, guys. Um, you guys have anything else that you're interested in talking about? Uh, I know, Rob, you might have mentioned something before about um, the possibility of you wanted to elaborate a little bit on Survival of the Fittest getting banned. Yeah, it seems like that's the way it's heading right now. Uh, survival uh, seems to be taking over the legacy format and kind of just pushing all the other decks out of the way. And usually when something like that happens, like, you know, how Mystical Tutor was, you know, just carrying other decks around um usually they put a stop to that and it seems like uh after worlds here that they may just ban this card and you know reset the format like they usually do yeah no i think that, that's true um you know mystical tutor i thought did need to get to ban that was a good banning um i think i saw uh, a little blurb from uh patrick shape and i remembered this week where he was talking about how the survival of the fittest deck was beating like you know it, it was like its worst matchup it was like 57 percent win win rate against its worst matchup and, and you know whenever that's the case and in the numbers we're seeing that card being played right now and, and you know several different builds it's not just one build that you can hate against there's a lot of different ways to go with that card and just the, the printing a fauna shaman making it like you can pay play eight in your deck um, it, it does need a banning, and I do think that that'll open the door for a lot of the the fringe decks that that you know I know I enjoy playing, like a Lauren, um, like my you know my favorite Enchantress, and you know even even the the mighty Merfolk seems to be taking a a uh, back seat to Survival of the Fittest and Vengevine, which is uh, you know just an all around crazy combo. That's a good one. Yes, indeed. Pick up your Venge Binds. Um, yeah, so hopefully, I know the, do you remember what day the December bannings are coming out? I mean, obviously it's sometime this month, but, uh, I'm not sure which day. I believe it was December 20th. Okay, well, you know, in my mind, it can't come early enough. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Even though I, I love the card's arrival and I love Fauna Shaman, you know, I think they do some, some great things, some crazy things, but it seems to be just a little too powerful right now. Yeah, I mean, well, that just shows that, you know, even old good cards um, can be made, you know, as good as you think they are, they can be made much more powerful uh, with the release of new stuff. So you never know what old card is going to pair uh, up with a with a brand new card uh, in standard to create a pretty broken legacy deck. Um, I mean, obviously, it took a little bit of time um, from the release of Fauna Shaman and... Uh, Vengevine before they people figured out, uh, you know, just how broken that deck is. But it, you know, it's it's rampant now. That's that's obvious. So, 
Yeah, Vengevine's definitely a borderline broken card. I don't think it's broken. I think the card's fine, but it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely up there. Yeah, well, in- between Dredgevine survival decks, I mean, there's lots of homes for that guy, and he's definitely a good one. Yeah, I mean, well, though in in standard right now, he's not overly broken. Obviously, I mean, he, you know, Dredgevine decks are not even really considered tier one. I'd say. Um, you just, you know, you see the usual, it's, uh, everything is Jace the Mind Sculptor, that's pretty much what defines the format right now, and I think, um, you know, Vengevine's definitely beatable, um, and with, you know, it doesn't have, uh, there are a lot of bad matchups for that deck, so, yeah, it's definitely a card that doesn't need to be banned at standard, but, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta ban the enabler, being survival of the fittest, um, so I can play my damn Enchantress deck without, uh, having to worry about that crap. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Definitely. Uh, if you're playing like uh you know, Enchantress or even Stasis, the deck I'm building right now. They're enchantment based and they're getting so much you know, sideboard hate just because of survival being out there. So maybe if survival goes away and kinda open up some sideboard slots, you know, get rid of the uh crazy enchantment stuff. Maybe a learn will come back, maybe, you know, maybe Enchantress will come back. Make a, a good showing. <laughs> For sure. Well, that's the great thing about Legacy. There's just such a variety of decks. It just sucks to see that one one deck is is making up a majority of the format, or you know, maybe not a majority, but it's it's definitely the largest piece of the pie in, in most cases. Definitely, I've heard numbers around 50%, and top eights they're taking half of them. So I mean, yeah, half or more. It's putting True. up crazy numbers, and you know, there's a reason it's putting up numbers because it's a crazy deck. Uh, yep. Yeah, there you go. Um, oh yeah, I also wanted to mention uh, about um, you know the store of our store of the week, Arkham Games. Uh, the I kind of got the feeling when we started playing there. Um, you know, we were seeing some big crowds for a while, like even on the Friday Night Magic, but it seems to have dulled down. Um, there was a group of you know younger guys coming in that weren't really you know they weren't up on you know the the competitive side of Magic. They were there more for the casual element of it, and um, it seems like, you know, they'd show up every week and for a little while and then they would basically get their ass handed to them by some of the players and who were more competitive, had been playing for a long time, knew the ins and outs of the game with all the rules and everything. And, uh, it kind of discouraged them from, from st- sticking around. And you saw, started to see less and less of them. Um, I know some of them even started switching over games. You'd, you know, they'd be there for Warhammer night, but then you wouldn't see them for magic really. Um, have, I mean, does that does that seem is that your perception of things there, Rob? Yeah, when you're you know trouncing the floor and just beating on phone people, you know, it's really discouraging for them. You know, sometimes uh, maybe help them out with plays and such. You know, give them some advice so they can uh, they can possibly stand a chance against you. Play a lot longer than they have, so definitely. Um, I, I believe I saw a few of them there tonight uh, when I was there at the store. Uh, there were some people playing Magic at one of the tables and uh, hopefully they'll be there tomorrow. Hopefully they're not skipping out just because uh, there's some more aggressive players during Friday nights. Yeah, well, I, I, even the good players there for the most part are uh, pretty, you know, they're all really cool guys. The exception of maybe Tyler, he gets in people's faces every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, everyone's really cool. You, uh, you remember, you remember Tyler, uh, Chris, he was a freshman when we were seniors. Tyler. Sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. I think he, he wore uh Looney Tunes underpants. Looney Tunes. I remember that kid. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, we re- we remember him pretty well. He plays uh, Friday Night Magic at the store, and uh, yeah, I mean he's a good player and stuff, but he he does get in people's faces every once in a while. But you know, that's that's his style. So however he wants to do it, we won't hold it against him. I will. <laughs> people play how they want to play, and you know people will enforce the rules how they want to enforce the rules. Yeah. Except they remember that Friday Night is more casual than anything. It's it's not a pro tour. It's not a even a PTQ. It's yeah. You know, it's it's fairly casual, so um, you know if if people drop the wrong land or something like that, you know, be nice and you know let them switch it up a little bit. As long as it's not like, you know, five minutes down the road, maybe maybe just like, as soon as they do it, they realize what they did or they tap the wrong land, you know, maybe a little little backing up doesn't hurt anyone really. Would you be? Um, I don't know. It kind of makes me think about ways that you know smaller stores that have this problem. You know, they don't have a huge number of people coming in, but, you know, they do have a, a, a maybe different tiers of player levels um, who are all playing the same events. And it's just kind of, it's really not even fair for the people who, who don't have the experience in the card pool. Um, you know, do you think uh, maybe working on a handicap or something like that would would kind of help out? And it, yeah, does that make sense? Um, possibly, but you know, extensive amount of research for something like that to happen. I think the best way to uh, to balance it out is you know to have the other players coach the newer players and teach them the rules, teach them the ins and outs of the games. Um, we do have people that have donated cards to the store, like uh, comments and such, for people's decks to use. You know, just because they don't have everything, and gives them a chance to have more things. Uh, yeah, I know. I took my uh, big box of commons in there. I worked out a deal with uh, the store owner um, so that you know we would he, he could sell those. You know they had I put some staples in there that you know already had you know a play set of. I didn't need any more. If somebody wanted to go in there and raid that and pay you know a dime a common or whatever, and I would split split it with the store owner. Um, and so hopefully some people took advantage of that, got their counter spells, got their land ORLs, you know whatever they didn't have in order to you know raise raise their game a little bit. Well, even I took advantage of that. I picked up some amount of Birchlore Rangers out of there. <laughs> yes, a fine card if you're building elves. Got to have your Birchlore Rangers. Um, yeah, so that's uh, you know something to think about for you guys out there who don't have a huge following. Don't alienate the new people in your store because they're the ones that are going to keep it running. You know, they're they're the new people in Magic, and they're the people that are, you know are, are going to turn into the great players someday as long as you give them a chance. So try to develop their skills and you know make them feel like they're part of the store. So that way, you know, the more people that play, the more packs or whatever. If your store has prizes, you have a chance to win every week. Just you know, don't leave them feeling like they have no chance next time they come in. Tell them, hey, if you're done with this, with you know, add this this card to your deck. I think you'll do a lot better. Or, you know, next time, don't make this. You know, play this land first. Uh, play this card first. This is you know, tell them about the strategy of the game. That's I think that's really important. Yeah, you, you definitely need to help people out. Uh, I had someone had lethal on the board against me, but decided not to attack because they would lose their you know, favorite card against you know, a golfing slagworm or something of the sort. So they didn't attack. But they had me beat, so I told them, if you attack with everything, there's no way I can block everything and survive. I I will die. And, you know, so I I gave the game to them, but they had the game anyhow, and I knew they had the game. So there's no reason for me to try to sneak my way through. I mean, I know it's part of the game, but, you know, kind of help people out. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. But uh, I – actually, another thing I think of – I thought of that, um, you know, happened to me the other week, I – I had something to do, but I wanted to draft. I wanted to get the new cards. 
so basically, I drafted a deck. There was a younger kid at the store, Dalton, who uh, you know he hasn't he hadn't been playing. He kind of switched over to Warhammer. Um, he didn't have the money to to pay to play uh, to draft. So what I said was, you know what? I'll I'll draft. I'll draft a deck. I'll you know make it as good as I possibly can, and then I'll let him play it while I'm gone. And if he wins, then uh, you know great. And and then we'll you know we'll we'll split the prize. I told him so. Um, I think they played. I, I drafted a red red white deck. Um, I was lucky enough to get like Sunblast Angel, just a lot of fatties, and then some mana accelerants, the 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 mirrors and stuff like that, and a little bit of removal. And he was able able to take that to second place, you know, which got us a pack apiece. So that's that's another way you could do it if you're if you're not really planning on playing and uh, you wanna you wanna help somebody out, just kind of build a deck for them, uh, tell them the strategy of the deck, and uh, you know that way maybe they'll see you know the card interactions that they should be looking for instead of you know trying to work on some busted card or some busted combo that doesn't really work. Yeah, definitely. I do remember that draft. It was a four-round uh, Swiss, I believe. And he took me down in the first round. Uh, that Sunblast Angel really got me good. <laughs> that is a broken card in a, in a draft, for sure. So. Oh, definitely. First pick here all the time. Like, luckily, I was already in the colors. It was my first pick, second second pack. So, good stuff. Um, yep. Yep, well, there you go. Just uh, and if you guys out there can think of any way to uh, you know to help our situation as far as you know developing the players, if you if your store has some sort of different like rating system where you have a different you know pod, a different event going on for players who are perceived to be in like the first tier, and then you have another another kind of you know developmental league, I guess, uh, for some of the, the players who aren't quite there yet. Um, kind of share that system with us maybe we can uh you know help it out or if you guys have any ideas on how to develop something like that um we could you know because on the store level i know that you know it might mess around with like the the way the dci wants stuff to go but realistically you might need something like that to get your to get your local game going you know what i'm saying well you remember jones when we had that magic club at wbu we had that, that points rating system and you were basically always playing against someone that was in your tier all the time. That's true. Um, you know, that was that was kind of our own thing we set up at at our, at our college. Um, and we had a list of people. Every time you won, you would get so many points. You would get more points. Obviously, you would move up the list, and it was everyone was ranked based on their score um, from playing and showing up and things like that. So, you know, but the rule was the the lower person would always get to play somebody up to two ranks higher than them. So they choose who they get to play. You start with the lowest and work your way up. So the lower people were always, you know, somebody playing somebody ranked higher than them, but not at the top of the list unless they were at the top of the list, too. If you're on the bottom, you're playing some, most likely somebody on your own skill level. So, you know, that that's, you know, one way to, to do it. Um, you know, it kind of creates a handicap, but... Um, there's a there's a benefit for it definitely in that you know after they reached a certain number of points they would get a free booster pack so you know good reason to show up and play and uh, also you know good good reason to to win you know to to try to stay at the top of the list yeah so that's some something to think about uh, maybe uh, getting going on at your own university if you're your high school if you have you know you want to create some competitive magic there I don't know, I thought that worked pretty good. 
those were the days when me and Chris would put on, uh, we learned how to make t-shirt ninja masks, and we put those bad boys on, go in there, and uh, we were the president and vice president of the West Virginia University Magic the Gathering Club, which was, you know, unofficial, but uh, <laughs> the official unofficial one. Uh, those were some, some good times, right, Chris? Oh, yeah, that was good stuff. We had that, uh, what's his name, number two in the state, George. Uh, Oh, well, no, yeah, he was, uh, he's pretty, uh, I believe it was George Fama, uh, from Beckley, West Virginia. He's pretty good, pretty good player. Um, uh, we had, uh, another guy named Elliot. I remember he told me he was, uh, starting, you know, before we kind of parted ways. I lost track of him, but, uh, he was, uh, playing with Mike, uh, Turian, playtesting with Mike Turian, who, if anyone knows, um, some of the older Pro Magic players, he was a, you know, a pretty big name in the game back in those days. Um, still might be. I haven't actually heard much from him recently, though. Um, you ever heard of him, Rob? Um, Mike or the other guy? Mike, Mike Perrion. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've heard of him. All right, cool. Yeah, wanted to make sure I wasn't, uh, completely off the mark with that one. <laughs> no, so, uh, I'm still around. So there's just, uh, some ways that you can improve, uh, your game, improve other people's games, and, uh, hopefully just have a lot of fun playing Magic, because it's, it's a great game. Um, uh, any you guys got anything else this week? Uh, definitely, uh, money gaming in a small town. Oh, <laughs> small town meta gaming. Actually, yeah. that that, so, that could probably be a pretty big topic for another show, I think, because I think that that'll cover you know quite a bit of time. Most likely, <laughs> kind of expand on some rogue decks and you know how to combat rogue decks and such like that. You know, there's always that one deck that you just don't want to see when you're at a PTQ and you're just like. He's your first-round opponent, and he's playing something completely off the wall. But it just tears your deck apart. <laughs> that's true. But, you know, uh, that's just the way the way it goes sometimes. You you, you know, you, you have a small section of people you want to play with, or you do play with, and you expect the same decks week in, week out. But, you know, you get one new guy with some de- deck you're not used to. It could pretty much tear everyone apart. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll make that, a, like, a topic for the next show or something. And, uh... We can work on that, and if you guys, uh, like I said, have anything to contribute to any of the topics we discussed, don't forget to submit your decks, uh, submit your stores that you, you, want, you might want us to talk about, and uh, any anything on how to, to uh, develop players. I guess we'll pretty much uh, end the show for this week, but uh, hopefully we'll catch you guys next week. Hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, I guess we'll uh, peace out now. Uh, Chris, you got any parting words for the, for the fans here? I uh, just... Keep nerding it up, man. That's right. Stay nerdy. Uh, Robert? Just uh, don't slow play. That's all I got to say. Yes. Don't don't be a Saito. Do, do, not get, uh, do not get suspended for 18 months. Always a, always a bad thing. Definitely. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, well, this was the uh, first edition of Magic in the Middle of Nowhere, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll catch you next time. Peace out. This is Major Tom to ground control I'm stepping through the door And I'm floating in the most peculiar way And the stars look very different today